Welcome, everybody, to episode two of the podcast on Fifth Avenue. It's me, Jordan, with Jenna and Taylor. How's everybody? Good. Doing well. Ready, ready for training camp to start back up? Yes. Same. I can't believe how close it is. Oh, my God. It's like, what? Almost, it's a week away, right? Yeah, development camp starts this weekend, and then the day after that ends, uh, two days after that, training camp starts. So oh right back into it. Yes, we are. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I've, I've been missing hockey, something fierce. But before we get into any of that, development camp, training camp, news broke last week that our dear captain, Sidney Crosby, underwent hand surgery last week. Uh, yeah, so uh, what, what does that mean for the team? Because obviously – we, we don't want our stars playing less than healthy, especially because they're aging and it's, it's difficult to, you know, have that dynamic at play as well. But we were already struggling with center depth as is with Crosby in the lineup. Malkin's out now. Now Crosby's out. It's, it's a whole thing. So what, what do we think the, the center depth is going to look like to, to kick off training camp in the regular season. Taylor, if you want to start us off with that. Yeah, I mean, luckily, you know, Crosby and Malkin both being out, it, it shouldn't be that long. We obviously don't have a timeline yet for Malkin, but, I mean, Crosby, the way they phrased it is he would miss the start of training camp and is expected to be sidelined six weeks after his wrist surgery, which makes me think maybe he can, the way they worded that, maybe he could at least participate in training camp, like, towards the mm -hmm. end, but... That six-week timeline, if he's out, that that's only, I think, four games. Um, but still, I mean, that's <laughs> the center depth uh, after that. I mean, Jeff Carter's first-line center, apparently. Uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, which is – I don't know how we got here. But uh, – and then I think Teddy, Teddy Bluger is uh, second-line center. Obviously, he's the only other – he's the next one in the depth chart. I know there's been some debate about, like, Gensel – because he's played center before, but I, I think just at the NHL level, he really hasn't. So I, I, I would, I would go Bluger. I mean, beyond that, I think it's really up for grabs because you have a couple of options like Zahorna, Rod, uh, Rodriguez, O'Connor. There's not a clear, you know, clear cut mm -hmm. third line center, fourth line center. So uh, it's yeah, it's really up for grabs. Yeah, oh, it hurts a little bit. Jenna, what do you think? <laughs> Who do you see as third and fourth line? I mean, it was just like the way that this all happened was so interesting. And I think that at least initially when we heard from Ron Hextall, basically he highlighted how they seemed like they exhausted every option and they looked into everything where it was, you know, of course, surgery is going to be the last option. And this is interesting, too, because I really wondered if this was something that kind of plagued Sid throughout the playoffs, mm -hmm. especially towards the end of the playoffs. Um, I have to go back and, like, actually watch some of the film, but and like, you know, deep dive into it in that sense. But it seemed like there were portions of the late games in the series with the Islanders where we weren't seeing him take as many face-offs. And I was, like, mm -hmm. thinking about that. And I was, like, wait a minute. So this – I'm not saying that you are associated, but just like in terms of if you would think logically of like, okay, this might make a little bit of sense in that way. Um, but I mean, they do seem again, pretty kind of optimistic in the sense where he's not going to be missing a whole bunch of time. And I think, didn't we talk last week too, how it seems like when one's out of the lineup, the other automatically steps up compared to yeah. Malkin and uh, Crosby. So it's interesting. Now you wonder, okay, who's going to be that next guy that's really going to step up. And I mean, they do seem to really like Evan Rodriguez. And I think, he kind of was a little bit of that 
player. He didn't play center a ton in Buffalo, but there were times where you saw him fill in when he needed to and kind of be that role-playing guy. And we hear Sullivan all the time talk about his versatility. So I think they like him a lot. And then it's it is gonna be interesting to see. Are we gonna see Rodriguez at the third line, Zahorna at the fourth line? Are we gonna see mixing of the third and the fourth lines? Because again, with the timeline, it seems like Sid's only gonna be out for a couple games. I think that whole part of it to me is like super intriguing, just like how it's all gonna play out. Because again, if you would ask a lot of people at the beginning of the season, this no one no one anticipated this. Two two guys we we did mention that Hextall did mention too. Um uh, guys who this could create an opportunity for Dominic Simone and Michael should put, I think those guys yeah. would be, you know, at the bottom of uh, the options here. Um, should put, uh, honestly, I forgot they signed him uh, because I had a penciled in for Wilkes-Barre. Like I wasn't, I wasn't thinking of him. Uh, he could be, uh, be a fine depth option. Um, he just hasn't played a whole lot in the NHL. Um, Dominic Simone, he's, you know, like a lightning round for fans and he has played center before, like internationally he plays center. Um, they tried him out it's, when he was here before. They tried him out at center. I think it was either in the preseason, like two years ago or three years ago, and it didn't last very long. So I don't think he would be an option at center. So I don't think this necessarily creates a spot for Dominic Simone of all people. But um, he's someone that Hextall did mention. Yeah. So you you both kind of mentioned sliding wingers over to the center position, and I have very little experience, uh, none to be exact, mm -hmm. speaking to coaches and staff of hockey teams. So can you kind of give some insight into what that process looks like behind determining whether a, a, a coach is willing to transition somebody from the winger to center and like scenarios where that would be preferable in, in some cases? I, I think what it is is that a lot of these guys just do have experience playing center at, um, you know, whether it be college, juniors, the minors, and they just haven't done it at the NHL level. Like uh, Angelo and Lafferty, we haven't mentioned them either. Mm. Um, they they were centers, um, so they can play center. Uh, it's just, you know, harder at the NHL level. The defensive responsibilities are harder. Yeah. The face-offs are harder. So a lot of times if a young guy is making that jump up to, the, to you know, the NHL, if he can play wing or center, he's probably going to get in at wing. Um, like someone like Zahorna. Zahorna only played center when he was in Wilkes-Barre, but then he comes up and he's a wing. Um, and he, I mean, he was fine. As, I, I thought he was good as a wing, as a mm -hmm. center in Wilkes-Barre. I mean, he earned a call up that way. So in most chance, it's not the first time these guys have played center, it's just that they haven't done it really at the NHL level. Yeah. Um, so that's really what you're looking at. Yeah. And it kind of ties into a little bit of their versatility too. Like Evan Rodriguez is kind of that guy. And that was, it was so funny. Cause again, that was kind of who he was a little bit in Buffalo, but then also I feel like hearing from Sullivan, Sullivan's very high on him and he really seems to like a lot of his qualities and like what he brings to the team. We didn't see obviously a ton of him at the end of the season for obvious reasons with the depth that they had at that point. But again, this is kind of why that you have that depth. And I think mm -hmm. that, you know, he is, he, he's not nearly going to be, you know, a, what Bluger would be for those bottom six guys, but he's a solid role player that, you know, can get you help you. I don't even want to say like get by, but just can kind of help you buy a little bit more time in that sense for Sid to get back. So you can at least have a little bit of normalcy where you're not missing, obviously your top two guys, let alone your top two hall of fame, future hall of fame centers. And then Brian Boyle too. Brian Boyle, he's coming in on a, on a yeah. PTO. So he would have to be signed to like a normal contract if he is going to, um, 
you know, play beyond the preseason. Um, again, it's it's really kind of hard to to guess what you could expect from him just because he didn't play uh, in the NHL or anywhere last season. Um, apparently, he did have like offers, maybe or or at least interests early on um, last season, and he just didn't end up signing. Uh, but he's someone that they could, because I mean, he is a center. Uh, he could come in play center. Once they get healthy, I mean, you could maybe try to sneak him through waivers. And I mean, if he's on league minimum, that's something where like he wouldn't count towards the cap beyond. So, um, you know, it, he, he really could be a short term fix. Um, and then, you know, good option to have if it, uh, you know, if it, if it, he does uh, work out. But um, he did play at Worlds uh, with the World Championship. He captained Team USA. Okay. Um, not a whole lot of scoring, but um, just from, and I didn't watch a lot of Team USA at Worlds, but I, I did look into it. And he was someone that they were putting out there in big moments. Like it was, you know, a one goal game against Latvia in the final couple minutes, and they're putting Brian Boyle out there. So, um, it, you know, he's someone, again, he hasn't played the last year, but when he was at Worlds, he at least showed, you know, something to earn that level of trust. Yeah. I'm intrigued too. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Jordan. Um, I would say, I'm intrigued just to kind of see like the style and are they going to change? Mm -hmm. will, will things change? Will the look of this team? I mean, obviously on face value, you can say, of course, it's going to change because you're without Crosby and Malkin, but will a little bit of how they play in a good way or bad way in terms of, you know, will they buy into Sullivan systems even more so than normal, or will it be something where we see a different look for them just adjusting to what they have mm -hmm. entirely? Which yeah. is going to be critical because even now, like hearing six weeks or I guess whenever they say that Crosby's going to be out for any period of time, it just seems like the end of the world. But six weeks isn't that long from the moment that the surgery happened, especially because it was end of the summer. So missing four games at the beginning of the season is way more preferable to him missing an amount of time at the end of the season. Yeah, because now now they're going to find those depth pieces. They're going to have to figure out what's going on because they they lost those they lost a lot of their um, bottom six forwards. They they really um, they're really going to have to figure some things out, and it's way better to do that up front and then find things that connect and click because the the line the energy line kind of came about haphazardly. It it felt. And they really clicked. So you just never know what you're going to find in terms of chemistry with guys. And I think that, yeah, will will they try to force them into Sully's system or will they adapt and figure out what works for what they have and then get Crosby back, Malkin back, and then go from there? I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, it, again, it's good it's happening at the beginning beginning of the season and not where the games are really going to start to to matter um but why don't we take a quick break we'll come back and talk about a uh, development camp that starts this weekend <laughs> <laughs> and we are back so some exciting stuff happening with the Penguins this weekend. They are kicking off their development camp uh, in Cranberry, which is exciting. They invited a bunch of prospects and guys who have not yet played at the NHL level 
to come out and see see what they're made of. So Taylor, you have covered a lot of these guys. You know, you know them pretty dang well. So who are some players to watch for? Who who do you think might surprise us? Who do you think might not be making the cut? Fill us in. Give us the rundown. Yeah, I mean, so I think most of these guys, you know, they're just not looking for a shot uh, at uh, to play in the regular season out of camp just because of, you know, the depth they have. And all of these guys mm -hmm. are waivers exempt. So I think the, the options we talked about in the last segment are the more um, likely options to actually play in the bottom six. But um, I don't know. My The development camp is like my Super Bowl um, <laughs> every year. Uh, and my favorite part of development camp, it's not necessarily seeing guys like Poulin, Legre, Hollander that we all know about. It's you know the more known guys. It's the guys who maybe don't have tryout, who don't have full contracts yet. Maybe they're on AHL contracts, um, and just you know seeing if they can earn uh, a contract out of camp because that has happened before. I mean, Dorio, the goaltender, he uh, he's someone uh, Bellarive. That's how they got Bellarive that way. So there are a couple of guys like that. Um, there are only two that aren't signed uh, at all that they're inviting out of. Um, well, I guess three now because they added Chris Marestier Ortiz on on Wednesday, but. Um, Marese Ortiz, though, he's on an AHL contract. He's someone uh, really interesting just because he's been uh, – he's he played with Nathan Legre um, since they're six or seven years old. He's a defenseman. Um, looking at, like, his advanced stats in the QMJHL, he's, like, one of the best uh, draft age defensemen at, uh, you know, starting, like, the breakout. Um, he has had some offensive success, so uh, he's really uh, interesting to look for in defense. Um, Josh Williams, he he's someone uh, he finished what number two in goals in the WHL um, last season. He was at development camp in 2019, um, and the biggest thing with him is uh, he has like a real rocket of a shot. Um, and I think you know the the fact that they're bringing him back for a second camp um, is really encouraging. That he you know he's someone that could earn earn an actual contract out of this because he is unsigned. He does have the option to go back to um, the WHL next season, but he he he's he's now old enough that he can also go pro in the AHL. Um, and the other one that's uh, unsigned uh, at all is uh, Brett Brochu. He's a goalie. Um, he did play for Wilkes-Barre last year just because the OHL didn't play at all. So those guys were able to play in the AHL when they normally wouldn't have been able to um, age-wise. But uh, he he only played in the, the last game of the season uh, in for Wilkes-Barre, and he, he did all right. But... Um, I mean, the the year before in the OHL, he went thirty two and six. Like that's his record. And every time, like I, I type that out, I have to say like this is not a typo. Like he went thirty two and six. <laughs> this is not correct. I know he was like OHL rookie record. Um, yeah. So uh, really encouraging. I, again, he, he's so he wouldn't go pro right away. He if they would sign him, he would go back to London. Um, and again, I don't know if there would really be a spot for him just because by the time he would be old enough to go pro, you might have. Um, you know, like Hallie Klang or Yul Blomquist coming over. But again, these are, could be diamonds in the rough because the Penguins really haven't had high draft picks in recent years. So this is where, you know, you get those those guys um, who could end up being contributors down the line. But I mean, who are who are you looking forward to, to staying? Well, I was, I was just saying kind of along that those lines too, like it is so interesting because of the fact that they really haven't had a lot of the high draft picks lately that like these are some of the guys that you can look to to, you know, these aren't going to be the crazy stars of the future yet. There is the potential. I mean, you look at, you know, guys like Puli and like Legere, I think those two and Hollander too, like those are the three names I feel like that most Penguins fans at least 
know coming into this. And I think, you know, the fans that do attend camp because it's open and free to the public to come see, like, I think they're going to be excited to see those guys because you do want to see what the development process is, what these younger guys are doing, how they're coming up through the system. Correct me if I'm wrong, Taylor, but Pulin and Legere both just finished their junior careers. Correct. So they will be, they can play in the AHL next year. Um, Yeah. So they will be going pro. Yeah. So those guys will be going pro. And again, you want to see them take that next step because, you know, at every level, obviously there are those jumps where it's like, okay, you're succeeding really well at juniors. Both of these guys have had a lot of success throughout their juniors careers, but it's okay. How can you take the next step when you get to the professional level in the AHL and then potentially making that NHL roster? I think there's a lot of optimism for these two guys, at least through what I've been hearing. And I'm just kind of excited to see them in action because I really haven't seen a lot of them. You know, I, you know, have it, this is, I'm fairly new to covering this team entirely. So just kind of seeing all the younger guys make their way up through the system where, you know, when I was in Buffalo, you see a lot of those guys kind of come up the ranks. I saw Victor Olofsson really develop, you know, all those guys that are now big role players. So how much will they factor in, in the next, you know, three, four, maybe even two years here? Yeah. And um, I mean, defenseman too. Um, Cam Lee, he's someone to, to really watch for. I mean, he's probably the most exciting defenseman on, on this list. Um, I mean, he's someone that they already have have signed. He did play uh, his first, you know, pro season in Wilkes-Barre last year. Um, very uh, elusive. Uh, he, you know, with the way he walks the line, he, he did quarterback uh, the first power play unit until P.O. got set down and then he quarterbacked the second unit. Um, the thing with him, uh, JD Forrest talked that all year was just managing that kind of risk reward because he's an offensive mm-hmm. defenseman. He was able to get away with a lot more in college than he was in, um, than he did in, in pros. So it's kind of figuring out what, what kind of plays he can make offensively. And, um, you know, he did improve that way over the course of the season. He did seem to get more physical, more chippy towards the end of the season too. He got in like two fights, um, like <laughs> at the, the last week of the season, um, that's something I think you would have uh, expected to see from him. And then uh, Josh Maniscalco, uh, you know, probably the top right-handed defensive prospect. I think John Marino set really high expectations for, you know, those the guys coming out of college. Everyone's like, you know, they got another Marino when they signed Maniscalco out of uh, Arizona State. It didn't quite work out the same way. Um, he did spend the year in Wilkes-Barre, and he did spend most of the year as a healthy scratch. Um, he only played eight games. Um, and I talked to... I asked JD, you know, a couple times during the season, like, why isn't Maniscalco playing? Um, and, uh, he said, you know, they just there's a lot with his game that they want. He didn't get into, you know, very specific things, but um, that they thought they wanted, they had to really establish and practice first before they got him into games. And um, I mean, when he was playing, he was playing in, in pretty infrequently, so it was really hard to get a real read on how he maybe improved or what he needed to work on, what he was good at. So um, he's someone that, you know, he, he needs to come in and have a really good prospect camp too, and establish himself a more regular playing time because he, he you know, he has size. He was a good puck mover in college. Um, and again, he's really, you know, their top deep right-handed deep prospect. The next one is Will Riley. Um, he had a pretty good year too in Wilkes-Barre, but um, I mean, <laughs> the door's pretty pretty open for Maniscalco um, if he can have, you know, a good camp and establish himself. Yeah. I remember actually, it's funny because I just like uh, checked online, but I remember when they signed him, I was here for that. And I remember looking at his size and I was like, oh my gosh, this guy, what, he's 6'2", like 200 pounds, something along those lines? Or at least it's what he was. Mario Lemieux made a pitch to him to sign here. So if Mario Lemieux was, because 
Ramirez's <laughs> son Austin played with him at, at Arizona State. Yeah. And I, I I did like a phone interview with Maniscalco after he signed, and I asked, you know, like, did Austin kind of make a pitch? And he's like, oh yeah. He's like, Austin said, you know, if I sign, we can go golfing or whatever. And I was like, did Mario? Like try to, and he's like, yeah. He said he got a call from Mr. Lemieux. Oh. He called him. Um, so Mario sees a lot in this because I mean Mario did see him play a lot. Obviously, watching Austin at Arizona State. So uh, if if he sees a lot in Maniscalco, I mean, there's something there. So um, yeah, kind of a rough rookie season, but uh, still a guy with a lot of potential. Yeah. And that's, I feel like that's when you're looking at these guys, that's what you're looking for. How much potential do they have to develop? And again, that's why it's you know, players develop or, you know, prospects development camp in that sense. How much can you see out of them? They look for those, you know, intangible type things that I feel like we hear coaches always talk about, you know, things that you can't teach where, you know, do they have those necessary skills that, Hey, we can build upon, like we talked about last week, you know, PO Joseph, we can build on your weight. We can get you stronger. We can, you know, want you to hit more, those types of things. Like, you know, this is a good opportunity for them to kind of see what they have in this group. Um, and it's just, it's correct me if I'm wrong too with you guys, but like, it's crazy. I don't feel like the start of the season is just around the corner. I really don't No, No, this off season kind of, kind of flew by with everything crammed in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot to look forward to. Honestly, my favorite, one of my favorite guys to watch in Wilkes-Barre last season, he was on an AHL contract and he, he did get an invite to this game. It's Felix Robert. Um, he's a forward. He can play center and wing. He did move back and forth, but, um, in, uh, in Sherbrooke, um, so where Poulin spent most of his, his junior career before he got traded to Valdor, um, last season, Felix Robert was Poulin's center. So they, they played a lot together. And I think when they signed him, the reaction was just like, oh, you know, cool. They signed Pulian Center. That's, you know, nice that they have that connection. But he wasn't a very highly, you know, touted guy. He, he, he went undrafted. They got him as a free agent. And I think, you know, a lot of people um, were looking at that, you know, how much of his offensive success was just a product of, you know, playing with Pulian and the guys he was with. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, the, coming into Wilkes-Barre, he, he, I mean, he's small. He's like 5'9". Um, he's short, He but he is kind of stocky. He's he, do he doesn't get knocked off the puck easily and he plays, you know, a pretty physical game. Um, I mean, I, I had, I, I put up an article of like guys, guys to look for on the site and there's, I have videos of Felix Rivera, like throwing like uh, much bigger players into, um, and then the boards and he's, he's fearless, you know, he'll do that. And then, you know, it's a big hit play stops, you know, the other team's coming after him. There's like a video where, um, you know, the other team's going after him and Zahorna's right there and Zahorna's massive. Zahorna could step in and, you know, you defend Robert, but like Zahorna knows that you don't have to do that with Felix Robert because Felix Robert plays like he's a foot taller than he really is. Like no one told him he's undersized. Um, <laughs> he doesn't know. If you pretend like you're 6'4", you're 6'4". Yeah. The, other people will think it too. Yeah. I mean, last season, the um, the last two games of the season for Wilkes-Barre got really chippy. The one against Lehigh Valley. Um P.O. Joseph had a hit on a guy and they were early on and they were running P.O. all night. And there's a moment towards the end of the game where um, uh, one of the Lehigh Valley players, uh, Wade Allison, he's six foot two, um, went up to P.O. and like cross checked him and had him down. And uh, of all the players on the ice, Felix Robert comes in and fights Allison. Again, five foot nine. Um, Allison got the better of the fight, but just the, watching him, uh, J.D. Forrest called him a water bug. Um, he said they used his him as an example in the room of like this is like the the effort like you want to play like Felix Robert. Um, so just seeing how he you know looks coming into this camp, you know, up against the guys like Poulin, like Ray Hollander, the more 
you know, well-known prospects. I mean, that's, uh, I'd love to see how he stacks up against them because he was a lot of fun to watch. And again, he is on an AHL contract. Um, yeah, but, uh, and then Lindbergh, I don't know about you guys, uh, the goaltending uh, in Wilkes-Barre next year. I mean, what, they just have, they, they added the veteran goalie, but the prospects, it's Dorio and Lindbergh. Dorio's in at this camp just because he's been through it enough. But um, Lindbergh, mm-hmm. who they found out of college, um, I mean, he, he had great numbers uh, at, at UMass. So yeah. I mean, that's someone that um, it would just be interesting to see. Uh, he he was a draft pick of the wild, but he did sign with them. They wanted to sign him. So it's not that they just let him go, but he was old enough that he he was able to test free agency. So um, mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. It would be you know interesting to see if he can – because I, I don't know, the um, Domingue, I don't know how to say his name, Domingue, the, the goalie they signed to be the, vet, the veteran third goalie. Um, yeah. I mean, that's not a lock that he is the third. So, I mean, Dorio yeah. Lindbergh put her in those spots. So, um, yeah, a lot of interesting kind of battles to watch for. Yeah, a lot I'm of I was going to say, it sounds like it. Yeah. I love sure. the camp. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I love your passion for it. And it's it's true, though, because if you think if you think back to the years that the Penguins won the back to back cups starting in 2016, they pulled from Wilkes-Barre guys like Brian Rust and Brian Dumoulin and Matt Murray and all these guys who came up from their prospect pool who stepped up in a major way. And that's something that this team has been lacking. Uh, and it's something that's going to need to be their bread and butter coming up because our stars are aging and they're on their way out of the league. They're, they're not coasting anymore. This, these are their twilight years. So they really need to be mindful of who they're picking up and how they're developing them because yeah, these aren't the stars of today, but they could be the, the starting lineup of tomorrow. And it, we need to know who we have and what we're working with in order to start to develop that those post Crosby Malkin Latang years because that's it's coming up pretty quick. And and you know the the cup years like you mentioned you know the guys that came up they weren't really highly touted prospects when they were drafted mm-hmm. like Tom Kunackle Tom Kunackle when he was drafted he was not like a you know top can't miss prospect but he's oh, someone that did spend time in the minors really worked on his his two way game. He, he ended up being, you know, one of the best shot blockers on the team when he came up. And mm-hmm. uh, when he got to Wilkes-Barre, I remember watching down there, he, like, did not back check any kind of defense at all. So, you know, there are these guys that they come in and they, they can, you know, develop their games at these camps and down at Wilkes-Barre. And then they can be those guys who end up being, you know, the dark horse candidates and they come up and can actually contribute, uh, even if they aren't, you know, big names now. So watch out for Felix Berber. <laughs> I like it. Noted. Yeah, I do too. Let's take one more break. When we come back, we can talk a little bit more about training camp, which is also just right around the corner. And we're back. So some other exciting changes that are happening this season are it's the return of in-person interviews and media availability. Yeah. So we, we were talking in the break and it sounds like both Jenna and Taylor have some pretty incredible stories from the Zoom era of player <laughs> interviews. So we're just going to we're going to go through that and then have the have them kind of talk about what they're excited for 
with the return of in-person activities and all that stuff. So Jenna, why don't you open us up? Tell us some fun stories about Zoom and the horrors of it. Oh gosh. Well, for me especially, because other than Evan Rodriguez, none of these players physically know who I am. Yeah. So that's fun. That's always, I'm like, hi, I'm that new girl that's asking you all these questions. And you're like, who on earth is she? Um, <laughs> but we like for us on the back end, like we don't have our cameras on. So they don't see our faces like some of the other Zooms when I do stuff with the Steelers um, or the Pirates, they'll see our faces where they just strictly heard our voice. But I don't remember when it was, but it was something, it was, I think it was a post game with Brian Dumoulin. It may have been a post practice. And I went to ask a question and there's this like noise in the background. I, I don't even want to attempt to make it because it was just so embarrassing. It was like, I, it was almost like a, ooh, like, I don't even know. It, it, I don't know. I have no idea what it was. There's this noise loud enough for like everybody. Like I looked, I was panicked in my eyes. I saw Dumoulin be like, what on earth? And then I like, unmuted myself. I was like, was that me? Like, did I? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. I'm like, all right, I have no idea what that was. I was like, we're just going to pretend like it didn't happen and then like ask whatever question I was going to ask him. But I was, like, <laughs> in that moment, I was just so mortified. I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, this is going to be posted. This is going to do something. <laughs> like, what on earth? Oh, so that I'm excited to not have to deal with like crazy technical glitches and noises mm. that make it sound like I don't know what is happening. <laughs> I mean, yeah, technical glitches. We, we, I was, I was talking about this before we started, but uh, nor it was pretty. We kind of didn't have any major ones. There was like a post game where um, I think it might have been after one of KC to Smith shutouts. Like it was like a pretty big game for him. It was for some reason there's like a connection issue. I think it was like on the Penguins end where it's like there was such a massive delay, uh, and it's like he was confused, and he's trying to get through it, and we're trying to get through it, but like, we, I don't know, it was a mess, and I think they just ended up scrapping it, like that video doesn't exist anymore, like anywhere, <laughs> um, but I, the biggest thing is like people remembering to mute and unmute themselves, um, some people join like automatically unmuted and not be aware of it, like I, I, I so many times, like we'd be sitting there like waiting for like a post game to start, and like someone joins, and like they're I don't know. I'm one time someone's just like burping constantly, and I'm like, who? Like, we all hear this. Like, and so like, where that is, stop. Um, and like the 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 hand raising and all that. I, in the early days when we started doing these, it's on WebEx, and a lot of people are having problems like remembering to like unmute themselves and all that. And um, <laughs> I remember like one time like some, someone got called on, and it was like it was during a Malkin press conference, and like it, it was like pause and like Malkin's yelling like unmute yourself <laughs> so <laughs> honestly they're probably you know ready for this to be done with too um I don't know I think um Evan Rodriguez I think I'm gonna miss his his post games or post practice just because I don't know if you noticed but any time we didn't talk to Evan Rodriguez a whole lot not a whole lot of reasons if we're only getting three four players you know a game it normally not gonna be Evan Rodriguez but anytime he did have um a moment he would always end his availability with something like have have a safe drive home or like yes, <laughs> I remember it was always and so like I remember anytime he'd come up or like what's he gonna tell us today like I need I need these these positive words from <laughs> Rodriguez. Um I don't know a, a lot of funny moments like that. I can't I, I can't remember if I told this story on the last one but like Patrick Hornquist um Patrick Hornquist doesn't do a whole lot of like he didn't do a whole lot of like long media availabilities. Um, 
normally, you know, when we're in the locker rooms, there's maybe like a PR intern or staffer kind of standing by and they'll call like last question and, you know, cut it off when it's about, you know, time. Um, Hornquist didn't need that. Hornquist would do it himself. Um, like, <laughs> he wouldn't tell you last question, but like he'd, um, you, you'd ask, you know, someone asked a last question uh, and he'd answer it. And he would kind of slur his last word into thank you guys. And before he got that out, he's like halfway at the room. Like, he's like, he's like, he just turned the last word and thank you guys. And then he's like already out, you know, he's in the change room. Um, and uh, these, these player interviews on Zoom are a lot longer than like the two minutes, you know, he's, you know, they're like 10, 10, 15 minutes, which normally don't get in a locker room. And I remember like the, the I think it was like one of the last times Horn Chris talked to us. Um, he tried that where, I mean, people saw their hands up and he's like, thank you guys. And then like, uh, Jen, like the, the Penguins, like PR director is like, no, Horny, like, can you do a couple more, more minutes? And Horny Kristen's like, it's just a lot longer than my normal two minutes. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of stuff like that where I know players, uh, they laugh like just the technical, um, difficulties and the cra crappy circumstances of doing this all in WebEx. And may we never forget the uh, Nathan McKinnon post Colorado's exit. That Zoom, I like. I have secondhand anxiety just from that Zoom. It was incredible, but I like. I just can't not. Basically, I don't know for our listeners if they didn't see it. Absolutely, go find this clip. It will be. It was so well worth your time. But it was after. I think it was after they lost. After they got knocked out. So McKinnon's like not in a good mood. <laughs> Colorado's knocked out of the playoffs. McKinnon's very mad. And the reporter just like, I think this also ties back too to the way that our questions, everybody hears them. Whereas normally in a locker room, you're not entirely hearing everything. And you get these asides with guys and you're just, you know, hey, break down that play. Whereas now you have to make it such a formal thing. So it was this whole, this reporter basically just, I don't even know where he was going with it. He just kind of was asking about a system and a play. And then he's just like, at some point you're just like, you know, and then drops an F bomb, you know, F it. And basically all this stuff. And just the way that McKinnon, I just I, like, I can't do it justice. Go look at that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was coming back to me as you were talking about it. I suppressed it so far into my yeah. the recesses of my mind because it was so stress inducing. Like, because he just he rambled for so so long, it felt like, and there it was just like a Michael Scott improvisation. And I was like, "Can you please land the plane? Stop talking!" Like, oh, nice easy. Just you gotta do it. It was rough. It was I, rough. Felt yeah. Everyone hearing your question is just you know because it, it's it's hard to work on it. Like if you want to work on like a. Colton Sevier feature, and you ask everyone about Colton Sevier. I don't know why you do that, but if you're out there, everyone's like, okay, that person's working on something on that guy. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, it's just kind of hard because normally after practice, you can talk to anyone you want and you can go up to them, and it's easy to, you know, knock something out where you want to, you know, extensive like that. But I mean, I remember what, because Brandon Tanner, if he had, you know, the headshot, and I wanted to ask him about it. Like, I asked, like, what happened? <laughs> and, um, that's like not like I'm like okay I don't want to ask that in a post game so I have to wait until we get ten of like after practice or a morning skate, um, and it was like a month into the season I think before I asked him like uh, your headshot went viral like <laughs> a little bit ago a while ago. Uh, uh, I, I remember, yeah, I was like, your brother said, look, they saw a ghost. Like, what happened there? And he's like, yeah, I saw the ghost. I, I don't know the the way he just his deadpan delivery on that was was great. Um, but I don't know, cause but I love doing that kind of fun stuff like. 
one of my favorite things I did, you know, the last normal season, like I went around, I asked guys like, you know, like what, because what the Sharks, the couple teams, they have individual goal songs instead of one normal goal song for the whole team and everyone picks their favorite. And I went around and I asked everyone like, what would you pick? Um, and stuff like that. And it's like, you can't really do that in WebEx. Mm -hmm. And that's not like hard hitting stuff, but it's like the kind of fun stuff that I think fans like. And I know you got some fun answers. Remember what Joseph Blandisi said shots by LMFAO. And I was like, that's, that's probably the best answer I've heard. Um, yeah. That's <laughs> a really good answer. Dominic Cahoon was like, do you watch darts? And I was like, what? And um, he's like, the song that they play when they win the championship. And I'm like, okay. I, he, he was like waiting for someone to ask him that. I don't know, like, <laughs> about darts. Um, a couple it's of darts. Like, really like, to ask you about this movie. Yeah, apparently, I was like, is that big in like Germany? He's like, oh yeah, you go, you go to like, you know, bars and watch it. I'm like, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, I did this because it was right after they changed from party hard to jump around. Um, and I was going on, because I was asking like, what do you think about the change? And then like, what would you, um, you know, if, if you could pick your own, what would it be? And like, I, it, it was like a couple of weeks into the season, remember? And I asked Dominic Simone, like, what do you think about the change? And he's like, they changed it, which like, <laughs> Dominic Simone is already a lightning rod because, you know, he didn't score enough when he was in the top six. Um, we really contributed in other ways, but for him to be like, they changed the goal song, and I was like, oh, <laughs> like, oh no, <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, just a couple things like that. I remember he did say that he uh, party on Fifth Avenue, Mac Miller. He was like, that would be a good one. Um, so so props to him. But yeah, stuff like that. The other one I really liked that I did was, um, you know, they play sewer ball before the. It's like two touch, or you can play one touch, two touch, where you know they stay in a circle, they kick mm -hmm. the soccer ball back and forth, and it's like if it's your fault that it goes out, you're out. And like I, I said last episode, we see them playing this, you know, every time Sullivan talks at 5 p.m. because it's right next to it, and it looks intense. So I went around and I asked, like, for scout, like, first of all, explain the game to me, and then like give me scouting reports, like who's good, who's bad. Um, and like I went around and I, I was asking like you know who's like who's bad at it and like everyone said John Marino and like I went to like John Marino um, and I asked him like you know like are you good at it and like Jared McCann from across the room was like I we already told her like and, so, <laughs> and those were the kinds of just like fun things like you don't yeah. get on like WebEx Aww. but um God, I don't know, I, I remember like I sat next to like Pedersen for like nine minutes and he just went around the room and like told me like, he gave me scouting reports of like everyone in Sewer Ball. And it's like that, that kind of stuff's incredible um, to get that kind of like behind the scenes stuff. And again, not something that you can do on a, in a WebEx, you can't raise your hand and ask, you know, <laughs> again, so like something about Sewer Ball, you know, it just doesn't work, but <laughs> so, so looking forward to getting back into the, into yeah. the locker room. Oh, yeah, I mean, because that is starting not in the locker room, but in person with the with the prospect camp. Um, we're not going to be in the locker room, but they're going to bring them out, and we're going to be talking to them in person outside of the locker room. Um, right. And then it sounds like COVID protocols. We're going to be back in the locker room during the season, as long as you like your masks and backs. Um, okay. I don't know. So, uh, looking forward to that and getting getting back to normal. That's so yeah. exciting. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah. And it and it helps people like me who don't get to see the players or interact with the players get a glimpse into their personalities. And that's what that's what really makes all of this so special is that they are people and like they're they're just so fascinating and so cool and funny. Like 
I adore Brandon Tanev with all my heart and I miss him terribly. And his personality was just so fun. And he was in Pittsburgh for like a blip on the radar with media availability in person. And I just, that breaks my heart that <laughs> we, we only saw like the tip of the iceberg with who he is as a person, because I feel like that would have just been even more fun to to round him out that way. And I'm, I'm excited for both of you that you get to be back there and that honestly th things are sort of easing back to, you know, being open ish um, with, with some restrictions, but it's, it's going to be a, a, a lot better, I think for everybody this season. Um, Cause it is, it's going to feel more like, season even just having fans back in the arena in march april like that felt like okay we can take a breath this is it's gonna be okay and now we're moving a little bit closer to that so it's, it's gonna I, be really exciting i did like the empty arena for hearing uh players like hearing what they were saying um i mean the penguins were doing like a little bit of fake crowd noise so like it wasn't very and we were up in the press box you know when it was mm -hmm. empty still so it wasn't easy, easy to hear you know exactly but i remember like you know all the buildings are different we were in mm -hmm. um dc and dc they didn't have us in the in the press box they had us in like the suites pretty close to the ice level they didn't they weren't piping in any you know fake crowd noise and I mean, Tom Wilson had like a dirty hit in that game and like Malkin went in the box for like, I think retaliating after and we would hear like clear as day, like Malkin and Tom Wilson yelling at each other. So that's another, if there are any positives to come out of, you know, the circumstances of, of the last two seasons, I mean, that stuff like that, um, just, you know, cause not, not a whole lot of people got to experience that, you know, the mostly empty mm -hmm. arena quiet hearing Malkin and Tom Wilson going back and forth at each other. <laughs> that kind of stuff. That and, you know, the easy drive into the arena where they were letting people in park, parking yeah. right up front. But, um, yeah, I much prefer things going back to normal. <laughs> I'll, I'll sit in traffic just so that we can have, like, crazy fans back in. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make that time for it, maybe. <laughs> offsets at least well yeah uh, so that's that's gonna do it for another episode thanks for listening in thanks for tuning in uh, make sure you subscribe wherever it is you listen to the podcast download the episodes and share them on social media so that everybody else can listen and we'll catch you next week bye